This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's Wednesday, March the 8th, 2023. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go! Coming up on the show today, a memorial service will be taking place to honor activist Judith Human. We take a moment to remember her legacy in the disability rights movement. Plus, columnist Anu Paula reflects on between innovation, technology, and the discussion we had on the importance of creating that and so much more over the course of the next couple of hours. But the show begins with the top story of the day, and it's firmly in the world of the economy. The Bank of Canada is set to announce its latest interest rate decision this morning. John Kennedy looks ahead. At its last announcement on January 25th, the Bank of Canada announced a quarter percentage point rate hike, bringing its key rate to 4.5%. At the time, the central bank said it plans to take a pause from raising interest rates to assess the effects of previous hikes on the economy. Elevated borrowing costs are expected to slow things down in the economy this year as people and businesses pull back on spending. Recent economic data shows both the economy and inflation are slowing, though the labour market was still running hot in January. John Kennedy, The Canadian Press. And following up on a story from yesterday, the CEOs of Canada's largest grocery stores will appear before a parliamentary committee later today to answer questions about the rapid rise in food prices. Brenda Molina-Navidad has this primer. The CEOs and presidents of Loblaw Companies, Metro and Empire Company are set to testify before the House of Commons Agriculture Committee this evening as part of its study on food inflation. Food inflation has been especially crushing for lower-income Canadians, with grocery prices in January up 11.4% compared to a year ago. That's nearly double the overall rate of inflation, which was 5.9% that month. Other executives from the companies have already testified, but New Democrats in particular signaled their dissatisfaction with the absence of the CEOs themselves. Brenda Molina Navidad, The Canadian Press. And staying in the world of inflation and interest rates, U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell testified in front of U.S. Congress yesterday discussing inflation and interest rates. Sagar Magani files this report. The Fed's looking for the economy to cool as it fights high inflation. But Chair Jerome Powell says the latest economic data are stronger than expected. Which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be, to be higher than previously anticipated. Powell's testimony to a Senate panel raises the possibility the Fed will boost its key interest rate by a half percentage point later this month, double the hike it made early last month. Powell says while inflation has been moderating, there's a long way to go, and it'll likely be bumpy. Sagar Magani, Washington. So just to put this on your radar, if indeed the Bank of Canada holds its rate today steady and the U.S. raises its rate later this month, just be ready for the Canadian dollar to lose a little bit of value. So before uh, the mainstream media throws their arms up in the air in a total panic, what's happening to the dollar? Uh, That's going to happen if the U.S. raises their interest rate and we don't. So just just be ready for that. Be ready for that story to emerge. I'm telling you right now, that's what will happen if the U.S. raises their interest rate and Canada does not. And based on that report from Sagar Magani and Jerome Powell's testimony yesterday in front of the U.S. Senate, I sense that's what's going to occur. Coming back to Canada, President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, addressed Canadian Parliament last night. Von der Leyen spent much of the speech discussing the war in Ukraine. Ukraine's resistance has stunned the world. That was primarily, of course, because of the courage of the Ukrainian people. But it was also, and crucially, because of the professionalism of the Ukrainian soldiers, many trained by Canada. And I cannot overstate this. Canada has saved Ukraines in the first days. 
Von der Leyen stressed the importance of continued cooperation to support Ukraine. We will stand up for Ukraine to be the master of their own future. Nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine. And we will keep supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes. Earlier in the day, von der Leyen and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visited CFB Kingston to announce more support for Ukraine, including Canada extending Operation Unifier, that mission to provide engineering training until at least October. And now looking abroad over the Atlantic, protests continue in France over a government plan to raise the pension age from 62 to 64. Charles de Ledesma has the latest. On Tuesday, large demonstrations took place across France with scuffles breaking out between protesters and riot police in Paris. Now, train and metro drivers, refinery workers, garbage collectors and others are holding further strikes in efforts to keep up pressure on the government amid the ongoing parliamentary debate about the pensions reform. Also, new protest actions focused on women and the retirement reform's impact on working mothers are expected to coincide with International Women's Day. Activists see the pension reform as unfair to women, notably as it would further deepen gender inequalities faced during careers. I'm Charles As Charles points out, it is International Women's Day. Leger has released some polling data about gender inequality. Don Kelly shares some of the numbers. The online survey of more than 3,000 Canadians finds most people believe the issue of gender inequality is important. But more than 30% of men and 17% of women surveyed believe the response to gender inequality is blown out of proportion. That's despite evidence suggesting women are economically disadvantaged, including Statistics Canada data that women earn 11.1% less than men do per hour. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press. So Don shared some tangible data there. There's actually some more that's been released today as part of International Women's Day. Credit rating agency DBRS Morningstar says smaller financial institutions like credit unions tend to have greater gender parity in their executive ranks than the major Canadian banks. In a report released today for International Women's Day, the agency says both banks and credit unions have reached gender parity in their workforces and are close at the board level. But in the executive suites, credit unions have significantly better representation of women than large banks. Only 18% of banks analyzed in the report had a female CEO compared to 38% of credit unions and cooperatives, while banks had a 33% female representation in the executive suite compared with 44% at credit unions. The agency says increased investor pressure and more regulatory standards around disclosure are needed to push for change at financial institutions. That's your look at the news. Here are the daily polls at Accessible Media is where you vote on Twitter at Accessible Media Inc. is where you let your thoughts be known on Facebook. You were asked on Tuesday, do you find it difficult to access information about government services? Unsurprisingly, the results, 85% of you said yes and 15% of you said no. There were some very thoughtful comments here. Linda tweets in at Accessible Media, considering how few and far between relevant or helpful government services are, access to info about them isn't the main problem. Well said by Linda. Kendall writes in on Facebook, at Accessible Media Inc. Yes, as a person with developmental disabilities later in life, I find it all very confusing. Basic questions are easy to find answers for, but people, we aren't basic. At some point, a person will have specific questions that will be difficult to access. Wouldn't it be nice if we funded people with disabilities to help navigate others through the system? Always thoughtful stuff at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Very appreciative when you share your robust thoughts in the comment section or replying to the tweet. Today's daily poll, it is International Women's Day. Anu Paula will stop by later in the show to talk about the importance of technology in bridging some of the gender inequality gaps. But let's go with a bit of a positive question at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Who is a woman that has had a positive impact on your life? Who is a woman that's had a positive impact on your life? I'm not giving you choices. I'm demanding 
that you write in today. I'm demanding you reply to the tweets. I'm demanding that you comment on Facebook in the comment section and give a little bit of love and a shout out to a person, a woman who's had a very positive impact in your life. Certainly, I've been broadcasting on air pretty much every International Women's Day since I've been in the media industry since 2009. So I start running the risk of retreading some of the things I've said before, but I am extremely lucky that in my career and in my personal life, I've been surrounded by strong, successful women. So many people have helped me along in my career path, whether it was at CBC or at AMI, who I've worked with and collaborated with and shaped me and framed me and educated me to be a better broadcaster and be a better person, be a more thoughtful broadcaster and a more thoughtful person. I know me just listing off names is not super helpful, but on the off chance that they're listening, Ruth Zaudu, Kelly Dexter, Carla Hilton, Andrika Delanerol, Karen I, Michelle Dudas, Paula Deneen, lots of people in my life are working very closely with me and have worked very closely with me to make me better at this. And I appreciate the incredible professionalism and professional development that so many women have had in my career, but I've also been extremely blessed to have super strong women in my family who were advocates, activists, and community-minded. I've talked to you about this before on the show, but so many of the women in my life and the generations that came before me were teachers. My grandmother was a teacher. She shaped the minds of young people forever and ever. My other grandmother during World War II worked in an aluminum plant, uh, was was doing her part to be part of the service. I have all of these aunts who were just incredible teachers helping shape young minds across the city of Montreal. Great aunts, aunts, generations and generations of people who made tremendous impacts on people's lives and made a tremendous impact on my life, stressing over and over and over again the importance of education and learning. But I would be remiss today if I didn't give my sister some love. My sister works in the education field herself. She works in spec ed. And she's not just a great teacher. She's someone who's become a real, genuine disability advocate. During the pandemic, she was writing op-eds to the Ottawa Citizen about the importance of protecting children with developmental disabilities during COVID, who were having way worse health outcomes than the rest of the general population. And she was demanding the school board step up. My sister is an incredible woman who has shaped who I am as a person from top to bottom. So I don't know if you're listening today. In fact, you're probably not watching or listening because you're currently in the classroom uh, serving the needs of the community. But my sister Martha Brown is someone who deserves a lot of love. And on a day like today, I can express it, but I don't need March 8th to express it to my sister. She hears it pretty much anytime I text her or we chat. So I know I just listed off a whole bunch of people there in my life who've had positive impacts. And that's just a thumbnail sketch of the people who've had incredible, the women who've had incredible impacts on my life. Alex Smythe, what about you? Who is a woman that's had a positive impact on your life? Yeah, Dave, it's, it's really hard to follow uh, what you, you just said. You know, it's very uh, poignant. It, it's very well said. I, I echo uh, all the, the strong women we have at AMI who I've worked with as well. Every Everyone you named, I've, I've worked with, they've done so much for me in, in building my career here. So I, I definitely echo all that. Uh, for me in my personal life, I have to say my mom and my, my grandmother, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, I'm, I'm living at home. I get to spend as much time as possible with both of them now. And, and they did such a uh, phenomenal job just making sure I always had everything I needed growing up. They were one or both of them were always there so they were always teaching me things they were always helping me out always pushing me to become my own advocate to to really learn how to deal with at first it was hearing loss and then vision loss in in growing up and what that meant and how i needed to advocate for myself so i certainly wouldn't be the person i am today without them and they also showcase just you know that strong worth that ethic and not being too proud to take on any job. Both of them worked at different points in in service industry. Even though they they had skill sets and in, in education that they uh, they could go beyond that, but they needed to provide for their families, and that's what they ended up doing because that's what was required of them. So I definitely have to uh, heap praise on on my mom Angela and my grandma Margaret because uh, 
with without them i i you i wouldn't be here i wouldn't be talking with you dave so i i owe everything to to both of them and and then you know it's just every every person i come across whether it's professionally or uh, uh personally it's just there there's always a lasting impact and i'm very fortunate that you you look around it's just the the access the opportunity for women to be equal to to work in industries that in the past and in some places they don't have those opportunities so that's why it's important to celebrate women today and keep fighting for the rights of women domestically and abroad because yeah. we're all better when women are seen as mm-hmm. equal yeah it's uh it's the, the certainly the battle for gender equality the striving for gender equality is one that is not over we're in the midst of it i just shared some of those data some of that data about the financial industry and the financial industry is not an outlier in that conversation yeah. it's 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 representative of bigger industries but alex you've given your mom some some love and a shout out there one makes me realize i forgot to shout out my mom so now i'm in deep deep trouble after the show uh but it got me thinking about people of our mom generation that that yeah. although the, the struggle continues the battle continues our mom's generation were really there fighting for a lot of rights in the 1960s and 1970s uh, my mother for example was the first ever president first ever female president of the Concordia Student Union at our university which was a big 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 deal at the time and it's almost understated in the way that she talks about that she doesn't brag about it she simply would mention it to me from time to time as we were talking about who she was and what framed her and what she advocated for in the 1960s and 1970s so it, it's a reminder that that this the, that the advocacy that's been going on for whether it be a hundred years ago in the suffragette movement to give women the right to vote, whether it be for more equality and whether it be for reproductive rights, which has been once again put onto the table this year. As you point out, internationally, we still see a lot of access to education being denied to women. So the the, the struggle and the battle is ongoing. That Whatever positive steps have been made in a hundred years or 60 years or 50 years or 10 years, they're, they can diminish and they're not necessarily tangible and universal so it is a reminder of saying that it's not just a distant generation or a current generation. It's a continuity in this conversation. It's not always linear in the fight for movements, but it is a continuity. Absolutely. And it's important to uh, make sure that it's we're, we're, we're giving the uh, women a voice to speak up, to speak their uh, their thoughts, their feelings, their expression, and allow them to, because for so long it's always been the 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 men holding the conversations. Or well, should we do this? Kind no, of like kind of like what we're doing right now, kind of, unfortunately. Exactly, Dave. So uh, uh, thankfully, a new Paula will be will be uh, coming by. She will share <laughs> yeah. her thoughts, can dive into it because. That's really, you know, who we should be celebrating and listening to today. Is the yeah, and, and and you'll hear from a very incredible woman in the next segment as well, uh, Judith Human, disability rights act- activist who passed away over the weekend. So yeah, maybe we'll believe it. Uh, we'll leave the dude voices out of this for a little bit. We'll put a pause on that one and say you can vote at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc on Facebook. You can write in via email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or give a phone call 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Let's go back to Alex for the National Weather Update. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. And starting in St. John's, Newfoundland, it's cloudy with a chance of snow or rain today. There's also a risk of freezing rain this morning. There's wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour, and the high is 1 degrees today. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, there's scattered snow flurries in the morning, and then it's going to be a chance of snow or rain in the afternoon. There's also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. Slightly warmer today with a high of 4 degrees. In Montreal, Quebec... It's mainly cloudy with snow this morning. The high is 4 degrees as well, but it's feeling cooler with the wind chill. It's going to be more like minus 8. In Ottawa, Ontario, it's cloudy with a chance of snow this morning. The high is 0, and the wind chill makes it feel like minus 12. Here in Toronto, Ontario, it's a mix of sun and clouds today. The high is 3 degrees, but we are experiencing a bit of wind chill. It makes it feel like minus 9. To Thunder Bay, Ontario, It's cloudy with a chance of snow. 
the high is minus 3, that's going to feel more like minus 12 today. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow this morning. The high is 5 degrees, but with the wind chill, it's more like minus 24, so be sure to bundle up if you're going outside. That cold air continues into Saskatoon, where it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow. The high is minus 12, but with that wind chill, it's more like minus 29 this morning. To Calgary, Alberta, there's light snow expected throughout the day. The high is minus 11. Again, with that wind chill, it's more like minus 21. To Edmonton, Alberta, it's cloudy with a chance of snow today. The high is minus 12. And with the wind chill, it's minus 25. Up to Yellowknife Northwest Territories, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow this morning. The high is minus 14. But with that wind chill, it's minus 29. To Vancouver, BC, where they're finally getting some decent weather. It's a mix of sun and clouds today and a high of 9 degrees. And that good weather continues to Victoria, BC, where it's the exact same experiencing a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 9 degrees today. And that's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, a memorial service will be taking place today to honour disability rights activist Judith Human. We'll take a moment to remember her legacy. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. On March the 4th, disability rights activist Judith Human passed away. She was known as the mother of the disability rights movement. Throughout her life, she broke many barriers and fought for human rights. She became the first teacher in the state of New York to use a wheelchair. In 1972, she spearheaded a 26-day sit-in at a federal building in San Francisco to get Section 504 of the Revived Rehabilitation Act enforced. Judy was instrumental in developing and implementing American disability rights legislations, including the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the Rehabilitation Act, and the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. During the Obama administration, she worked as the first special advisor for international disability rights at the U.S. State Department. She was also featured in the 2020 Oscar-nominated documentary, Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution. AMI's Joita Gupta had the chance to interview Judith a couple of times, the most recent being her episode of The Pulse that aired on October 27th of last year. Together, they discussed access barriers to employment and the need to change the system. Here is part of that conversation. I believe very strongly that my personals, your personals, 20 other people's personals in the air of employment paint a picture where there are similar types of barriers that we're experiencing. And as such, it allows us to say, these are systemic issues and there need to be systemic solutions. Those systemic solutions, like in the air of employment or education or many other areas are not a cookie cutter approach we're by and large one size fits all. But pretty much where certain things change, it will benefit the majority of those 20 of us. And I think that's, you know, we're trying to create systems that acknowledge when their actions are having an adverse effect on many. That there are issues within a company, for example, that need to be changed, that will enable the stories of people like you and me to change because our experiences are different. You know, they've improved over the course of our life. Judith also reflected on some of the changes that have been happening in the workforce, but highlighted the need for more action. In the state's laws like the Americans with Disabilities Act and Title I for employment, have really had an effect on disabled people moving into certain areas of employment that previously didn't happen. For us, a combination of the Amer Section 504, which prohibits discrimination 
against disabled people and programs getting money from the federal government has had a real impact in higher education. So for example, now we are seeing more disabled people who are becoming doctors, who are moving into positions where really before 1980 or so, um, you didn't meet people who were studying to become doctors or nurses who had their disability when they were entering the field. And we can see that in many other areas. So changes are happening, but we also see even in those schools where students are being accepted into various health care careers, that they then may be having difficulty with hospitals or other places uh, where they're reluctant to allow them to come in and do their placements in order to get the experience they need. So what I want people to believe is that things can change, that our individual and collective voices bring about that change, and that we need to be resilient. And as changes are being made, we also need to call out positive things that are happening, because those people also who've really been making changes can be a very important voice in helping others to make systemic changes within their companies or wherever they may be residing. That's just part of the conversation that Judith Human had with Joita Gupta on The Pulse on AMI-audio. You can find the full interview on YouTube. Just search for at The Pulse AMI, at The Pulse AMI. A memorial and burial service will be held today and will be live streamed at 10 a.m. Eastern time. American Sign Language and closed captioning will be available. For more information, you can visit judithhuman.com. That's judithhuman.com. Human is spelled H-E-U-M-A-N-N. H-E-U-M-A-N-N. Another disability activist, another giant in the field uh, passing away with the loss of Judith Human. Of course, we're still thinking about the loss of David Onley here in Ontario and all the work that he did on the Ontarians, the accessibility legislation in Ontario and thinking about the work that Judith did with the ADA in America that's been largely the framework in the way in which we've thought about accessibility legislation north of the border. Judith herself will be missed, but her legacy will live on for a long, long time long time. Coming up next, columnist Anu Paula will reflect on International Women's Day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minute. Canada's main stock index fell more than 1% yesterday, led by losses in energy, metals and financials. Toronto's TSX index fell 239 points to close at 20,275. New York's Dow Jones average plunged 574 points and the Nasdaq gave back 145. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index gained 135 points. Our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 72.66 cents US. Asian shares are mostly lower this morning as investors fret that the U.S. Federal Reserve might raise interest rates faster if pressure stays high on inflation. The Bank of Canada is set to announce its interest rate decision this morning, with economists widely expecting the central bank to hold its key rate exactly where it is at 4.5%. The CEOs and presidents of Canada's largest grocery store chains will be before a parliamentary committee tonight, answering questions about the rapid rise in food prices. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. It's International Women's Day. The theme this year is digital. That highlights the way technology can bridge the gap in gender inequality. Anu Paula has some thoughts on this. Anu is the founder of A New Vision Coaching and Consulting. Hey, good morning, Anu. How's it going? Good. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Always interested in jumping into this topic, and certainly this year's theme is an interesting one. So to your mind... How does technology impact gender equality? I think technology impacts the gender uh, in a sense that uh, it allows women to be on an equal level playing field with their male counterparts. We know that there's always been a gender uh, inequity 
when it comes to the workforce. And so I think that when you um, have technology in place, then it really allows women to uh, compete for those positions that are often led by their male counterparts. So scratching a little bit deeper into that, where are the areas that women may be positively impacted with increased access to tech? The that the women can really benefit from is are in the areas of education, employment, and uh, social participation, really. I mean, we know that technology has become a part of life now, like we can't live without it in all areas. So when we look at education, for example, we're using computers, we're using more, our mobile devices. And um, I mean, for myself as well, in, in my in my work, I use uh, my mobile devices so much as well for communication. So it really impacts us in so many ways. As you suggested, we dive a little deeper into this in our conversation last week. I give it some thoughts, and one of the things that I didn't think about immediately was education and the way in which technology may be able to allow any individual around the world to break away from perhaps regional restrictions. One of the stories that the Associated Press is running today is about access to education for women in Afghanistan and the way in which technology is being used to try and keep up some of those educational trends that uh, fell by the wayside with the collapse of the governments in Afghanistan. And it is it is really interesting to think about the way in which that access to the world and access to resources start giving those opportunities and laying a foundation and framework for women, no matter where they be, no matter where they may be geog geographically. So true. I couldn't agree with that more. I think education is really the foundation to work towards equity. And I encourage all women always that um, if what always just work towards your higher education, because that is really what's going to play an integral role in um, improving your quality of life and being able to, you know, just be more uh, participatory in the workforce. I also get to think a little bit about the health side of the conversation, the, the way in which that certain health tracking apps could at least work certainly um, in terms of some diagnostics for women, in terms of other opportunities to be doing some health tracking. I know that's maybe going a little bit pie in the sky, but I also think this is something that we're seeing where technology can bridge access to healthcare, which again, we obviously would just like to see better greater access to healthcare for women, generally speaking, but if technology can be used to bridge some of those gaps and give women opportunities to get access to some diagnostics they might not have had otherwise, to me, that strikes me as a really positive advantage as well. You are not off on that, Dave. Um, something just triggered for me, as, uh, as you mentioned, health. Um, first of all, we look at um, virtual like how we're all accessing everything in general virtually now. We look at online vir vir virtual um, yoga classes, for example, or other exercise classes, especially during the pandemic. This just like blew up uh, because we were all locked up in our homes. And so everyone was just accessing all different types of um, exercise um, classes, for example, online. The other thing that comes to mind is uh, I mean, when I have doctor's appointments now, for the most part, they're actually telehealth. Um, they're booked through telehealth, which means I'd be talking to my doctor online or, or, or just on the phone as well. So you are not off when you talk about healthcare and technology, actually. So you and I are on the same page. We both acknowledge that technology is important. Getting technology and access to the web is important in terms of bridging this gender inequality gap. So, but here's the million dollar question anew. What can be done to put more tech and more internet access into women's hands? The big things that we need to look at is making tech affordable. Um, often we see that technology is uh, affordable only during special times, like those Good Friday and Cyber Monday sales and other back to school sales. But I feel that we need to find ways to make technology more affordable so that it's available to everyone. Um, you know, we look at 
government programs, for example, um, that's another area where it, I wish there were more things in place for people. Say, for example, you know, it's one thing to be a student and be able to access technology through a government grant. Um, but what about the people who are working, who are, you know, gaining income, but they still are living hand to mouth? So how do they afford some of those technologies um, that would really enhance their life? Especially if we look at people with disabilities, for example. We know that assistive technology is so expensive. So in one hand, you're saying on one hand, you're saying that you know you you would really benefit from this. But on the other hand, it's often, not always, but often um, not accessible as a result of the cost. So often you and I are talking about the importance of philanthropy and giving and community in these segments. And I remember a couple of years ago, and I believe they're still running this campaign, the CNIB was always looking for people to donate uh, old cell phones. Or, uh, or or used or used tech as they were done with it to put it into the hands of individuals who would want it or want to use it. And I think that that's something that could be utilized moving forward as well, saying, hey, we acknowledge the importance of getting technology into people's hands. And I don't know about you and New, but there are a couple drawers in my house with a whole bunch of old unused uh, cell phones that I have no idea why I'm keeping them. But it really speaks to potentially a place where those could go to be repurposed and, and used really well by somebody, whether it be in Canada or whether it be elsewhere in the world. I couldn't agree with you more. I think we're really aligning here this morning, Dave. I absolutely agree. I know that CNIB recent, well, a few years back actually now, they incorporated a program where um, just that, like, you know, they were, they were getting, um, they're asking people to donate their cell phones and mobile devices so that they could put them in the hands of uh, others in the community and I think that I thought that was a really really great initiative and I love what you said about also um, sending technology to other parts of the world where it would be virtually impossible for women and girls especially to be able to access that tech because I know for me personally it, technology has absolutely opened the door to everything that I have in my life now and I would say, especially even mobile phones. I, I I do so much on my phone now that I can't even imagine living without it. I know a few couple of weeks back, I had a bit of a tech issue with my phone and I was without it for a whole day. And I was literally communicating with my husband on Facebook Messenger. It was like, yes. reminded me of when we were dating, when we were doing the instant messaging. <laughs> and it was, um, I felt like I lost a limb, really. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there, there there was some survey data that came out uh, about about Americans and their cell phone usage uh, last week. And I know we're having this really earnest, important conversation, but uh, 30% of Americans refuse to go to the bathroom without their cell phone. 30% will not go to the bathroom without their cell phone. Oh, no, that is really sad. I mean, there, there are, we want to be positive about technology, absolutely, but I think there are some you know boundaries here as well like i think we have to take a step back and you know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Clean, cleanse when we can and get off the grid from a time to time also works um anu one last question here before we say goodbye how will you be marking international women's day well a couple of a couple of ways um i'm really hoping that chocolate is part of the equation and possibly a glass of wine and definitely connecting with my girlfriends um but on another uh positive note uh, i was asked by uh, an organization actually based in toronto and they are called south asian boss women i love even saying that it makes me feel so liberated <laughs> um but i will be speaking at their event virtual event and i'll be yeah, well, over there to mark International Women's Day. So I'm super excited about that. Right on. Anu, thank you. This is great. Thank you for bringing this topic to us, and we'll talk to you again in a few weeks. Thank you so much. That's Anu Paula, the founder of Anu Vision Coaching and Consulting. You can uh, also vote on our poll today, which has to do with International Women's Day. What? Who is a woman? that has had a positive impact on your life, who is a woman that has had a positive impact on your life, you can vote at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook or at Accessible Media on Twitter. Coming up next, applications for the Halifax Youth Poet Laureate are now open. Melena Kazanavishis will give you the scoop in her community report. But first, 
TikTok videos are getting longer and creators have a chance to make some more money. Here's Mike Dubusky with Tech Trends. TikTokers can now post videos up to 20 minutes long with a new feature called TikTok Series. Where they can essentially put a collection of videos behind a paywall and charge their fans to watch them. And Gadget's Carissa Bell says you can charge anywhere from $1 to $190 for content. And while it isn't the only way to monetize TikTok videos, it may end up being the best for creators. To generate a lot more income for, you know, very popular creators than say like a a creator fund or just relying on your fans for tips. But it launches as Washington considers restrictions on the Chinese app, even a potential ban. It definitely is like an interesting dichotomy right now because they're still trying to go full speed ahead with like whatever there was on their product roadmap, but there is a lot of uncertainty about the future right now. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The Halifax Regional Municipality has opened up applications for the position of Youth Poet Laureate. Here to tell you more about the opportunity is community reporter Milena Kazanavishis. Hey, good morning, Milena. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm good. So, Milena, what are they looking for in a candidate? Excellent. I'll tell you that in a minute, but I want to wish every uh, person who identifies as a woman today very happy International Women's Day. Keep the power up. It is us who balances this universe. Okay, Milena, you've you've opened you've opened <laughs> the door. You've opened the door to it. So I'm sure you heard me mention the Daily Poll in the last segment. It is International Women's Day. We're looking for people to vote and write in at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. We're asking people to share... Uh, a woman or shout out a woman who's had a positive impact on your life. Who is a woman who's had a positive impact on your life? So, Milena, who is it? How would you vote? Uh, how would I vote? Oh, oh, it's hard. Um, well, definitely my mother, number one, to keep me here. And, um, and uh, probably a lot of my strong uh, uh, women who are uh, a lot older than me and have, have been my mentors throughout life. And I won't mention all the names, but there's too many to mention. Yeah, <laughs> I fell I fell into that trap too. I started, I think I shouted out 18 people in the uh, first segment yeah. of the show and I yeah. forgot to shout out my mom until Alex Smythe gave his answer. Then I had to uh, for shame, chime for shame. in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, she's in Arizona. Can't listen to the show right now. And I just, I'll no. make sure she can't find the podcast today. In fact, we just won't upload segment one in the podcast. Uh, Milena, right, let's, right, let's yeah, come yeah, back yeah. to the Youth Poet Laureate yes, of Halifax. Yeah. What okay. are they looking for? Okay, what they're looking for, I'm very excited about this because, and, and I'm a little bit late out of the gate with it, apparently the, the um, applications have been open since December. Um, the deadline is April 1, so keep that in mind. You have to be, as a youth, a resident of HRM, ages 12 to 21, deadline April um, April 1st. There is a prize amount of $2,000, and you will also be mentored for an entire year with our current poet laureate, Sugoet, who is an award-winning uh, novelist, uh, poet, and uh, professor. What the municipality is looking for is uh, a youth um, who is um, well achieved. I'm not really sure what exactly that means, to be honest. But someone who is also a storyteller, uh, spoken word artist, and loves to write poetry. This uh, young leader would be involved in um, engaging for the entire year with uh, the Federa um, Writers Federation uh, of Nova Scotia, Halifax. Also, you know, going around communities and municipality um, within the HRM, engaging with all the youths, LGBT. BTQ, the Black African, um, our um, you know disabled youths, so on and so forth, and and just really promoting and trying to bring people in to understand what is going on in today's world and society amongst our, our young leaders. I'm so excited, and I'm really really hoping that because I think writing, storytelling. Spoken word can be done by anyone and everyone, whether you're disabled or you're of another culture, ethnicity, it makes no difference. I really encourage our, our especially because I'm a little bit biased, 
um, our blind and partially sighted youths to apply for this. The application is fairly easy. Uh, there is a link uh, or there will be a link um, on, on the post here with you guys that you'll mention in a moment. Or you can also contact Lindsay Corey at, uh, oh boy. I got it, Melinda. I got it. I got oh. it. I got it. Lindsay, okay. Lindsay Corey at Halifax.ca. Lindsay spelt with an A, so L I N D S A Y dot Corey C O R Y at Halifax.ca. And as you mentioned, that's going to go on the blog after the show. This one's much easier than that. AMI.ca slash now. AMI.ca slash now. Yeah. And you can call Lindsay also at 902-456-8384. Forgive me for that uh, mental block there for a moment. That's but okay. That's, get why out they, there. That's, that's why they put that's, that's why they put this yeah, stuff yeah. in front of me too. <laughs> application is easy. It's accessible. Um, and, and there is a 500 word essay that's required just to say why you would be interested. But, uh, you know, $2,000, um, nice little reward and uh, yeah, and, and you get Milena, to get involved. Melena, yeah. you're, you're applying to be a writer. You're applying to be the poet lord, the youth poet laureate of the city. I would understand why a bit of a writing sample is required here. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Deadline April 1. Next. April the 1st. <laughs> AMI.ca slash now. AMI.ca slash now for uh, some of those details. Melena, staying in the world of art, Neptune Theatre has a new production on stage called Ballad of the Motherland. So what is this play exploring? Okay. I'm, I, I, I fully admit here I'm, I, I don't have all the full details here. I have the full details, but I'm not as historically inclined as I probably should be. So this this is a journey about a, a woman, um, um, female, uh, Kate, who gets caught up in 2014 in Ukraine while she's looking for, um, you know, historical information about her father. And the 2014 uh, Donbass um, invasion, uh, persecution, again, from Russia into Kiev, um, and, and that whole uh, military uh, event that happened in 2014, which has reared its ugly head yet again, sadly, unfortunately. So the story explores uh, of this this woman being caught right in between and, you know, trying to come to terms and finding out um, information. The historians that are watching and listening to us today would understand this conflict a lot better than I, I do, and I fully admit that, but I, I'm always here to promote Anything that Neptune or any of our theaters do that includes inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one is audio described as well. The show is April 2nd at 2 p.m. It is a matinee. This is the one show that is done with audio description. March 21 is a pay what you can. There is no audio description there. But so you'd go and line up at the theater and pay what you can, um, you know, because tickets are not always affordable. However, if you go on the described day, then identify as a person who's blind or partially sighted, um, and your companion ticket is free of charge, so you can split the cost with your bestie. I like that one, companion tickets. Yeah. Uh, Melena, any, <laughs> anything else someone should keep in mind before they, uh, before they go out to the theater to uh, check out the show? Um, okay, so you, you'd contact Neptune Theater at, um, here we go, I can do it, Melinda. 429 uh, box office Neptune Theater at, um, uh, you say it. I'm, I got I'm it. A I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, no worries, <laughs> Melinda. I got you. Let me give you the phone number again because I stepped over you when you first started giving it. So 902-429-7070, 902-429-7070. And the email address yeah. is boxoffice at neptunetheater.com box office at neptunetheater.com and like i always tell you no need to scramble for the pen or hit rewind on the podcast 75,000 times just bookmark ami.ca/now and all this information pops up after the show melena you've got one more bit of taste making to offer up here with march break around the corner of course there's lots of activities that are happening all over the place for the kiddos and the university students to enjoy themselves. But you are interested in something going on with the Ross Farms Museum. Why is this one of particular interest? 
Oh, you give me the shivers. This is one of my favorite places to visit, even though I haven't been able to get out there for about eight years now. So this is a historical farm um, around 1817 with Captain Ross, and there's a whole history behind him settling the lands of, of the, uh, the Mi'kma'ki. Um, the house originally still stands. It has been, you know, refurbished, uh, refurbished um, within the within the, the, the confinements of what it should be. And it has heritage um, animals. So the chickens that we see today, for example, are, you know, yellow and white and et cetera. The chickens that are on this farm are black and brown and, and some reddish. That Those are heritage um, animals, including ginormous hogs that are about five to 600 pounds. And oh, you yeah. Can, My doppelganger. You can, you can touch <laughs> You can touch and, and you know, and, and um, feed and, and, and touch these animals. It also has a, a really nice, uh, pretty easy um, walking trail that can go uh, around this uh, um, pretty significant lake. You can watch um, um, melding of iron and um, oxes that get their shoes put on in the winter. Um, you can make some taffy, homemade ice cream, everything and anything that would have been done right to the point of back in the 18, 1817. There is a bit of a cost. Uh, New Ro uh, Ross Farms is out in New Ross, which from Halifax is about an hour and a half of a drive. But I'll tell you, if you're a nature lover like me, it is one of the best places to go re-engage with history, um, taking some peace and quiet. And whether you're blind or partially sighted, uh, I think it's a great way to bring your kids out, to remind them, to drag them away from all this technology um, to drag yourself away from technology and and just take a look at what life used to be um, you know and to, to bring it back to simplicity I, I it just it really gives me great joy and refocuses me like I can feel myself getting calm now yeah <laughs> AMI content development specialist Karen McGee loves to attend Upper Canada Village which sounds very similar to this Ross Farm experience and the way you just described yep. that Milena I bet you Karen's already booked a flight to Halifax and is uh, making plans <laughs> to uh, go check it out rossfarm.novascotia.ca rossfarm.novascotia.ca is where you can learn more Milena thank you for this have a great day thanks so much Dave that's community reporter Melinda Kazanavishis from the Halifax Regional Municipality. Very important to get that right. The Haligonians get very cranky with you if you don't. Coming up after the break, I've got the regional news update. It was budget day in Manitoba, so I've got some highlights for you. And Brock Richardson stops by with a sports chat, a little bit from the world of Paris sports. And then we'll jump into some baseball chatter as uh, baseball season right around the corner. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.